Welcome to the Women in My World podcast. I'm Sherry Rigby. Do you need some inspiration in your life to keep walking in your faith as you step into your calling? The Women in My World's guests will impact you as they share their triumphs and their tragedies through the art of storytelling as we discuss the world today and how they are influencing it. The show is dedicated to women who put their faith into action by tackling critical real-life issues that will change and impact the world. I am excited to share the mic with celebrities, authors, influencers, trailblazers, and world changers as they do dig deep into how they overcome by leaning into Christ. Kate Battistelli is living proof that God can and will use anyone if they're willing to be used. She's the author of the bestseller, The God Dare, Will You Choose to Believe the Impossible? And Growing Great Kids, Partner with God to Cultivate His Purpose in Your Child's Life. She's mom to Grammy Award-winning artist, Francesca Battistelli, and Mimi to her six children. Kate experienced infertility, miscarriage, and abortion at 18, and four failed adoption attempts, which all wreaked havoc in her own life. As a young actress in New York City, Kate had a life-changing experience going from understudy to starring as Anna in the Broadway national tour of The King and I, opposite Yule Brenner for more than a thousand performances. Kate and her husband laid down their careers in the Broadway theater world in answer to their first God dare, moving out of New York City and into a life of homeschooling and home business. She's married to her husband, Mike, and lives in Franklin, Tennessee. She blogs about food and faith. Kate is also one-third of the popular mom-to-mom podcast, Bridging the Generation Gap with a Biblical Example of Mentoring in Every Season of Motherhood. Welcome, my guest and friend, Kate. Hi, Sherry. Thank you so much for having me on today. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. You know, just, life is good. Good. I am so excited to see you. And and in, I, I just know that this conversation is going to just impact so many women who are listening to the podcast today. One of the conversations that we always seem to get into so often as women, and we talk about it today in today's culture, I'm going to start with this question. How do you define success? Gosh, I think success is knowing what God has called you to do and doing it, not being afraid to do it, mm-hmm. stepping into your calling. I, I think that success, whether it's being a mom, being you know a, a movie star, being a, a writer, being anything, whatever that thing is, being faithful to that and doing it. Wow. I love that. I love that because really in today's culture, we can get so distracted by all the other things that are going on in the world mm-hmm. that literally just to be reminded to stay faithful mm-hmm. in what God has called us to and doing that well and to the best of our ability serving Him. I think yeah. that's a great way to just define success for so many that are listening. I think that um, some of the really fun topics, I don't know if they're fun, I should say, but some of these interesting conversations that we get into is talking a little bit about the journey that God has taken us on. What does the journey look like for each one of us, right? And how do we relate? And so I was wondering, you know, if you would share a little bit about the journey that you've been on, you've had some very exciting times in your life. God's obviously done multiple things through you. Tell us a little bit about the journey that took you from, you know, where you were at to, to Broadway to where you are today. 
Oh, it's it's such a crazy story. I look back at my life and I think, God, uh, <laughs> what were you doing for all along? You know, I didn't meet the Lord till I was 29. So I didn't come into, you know, all of this having grown up, having a strong Christian background. So mm-hmm. for many years before the whole New York Broadway thing, I was wandering. I didn't know what I was doing. I was a, a kid who just got off the path, as you said, you know, having an abortion at 18. Back then in the 70s, that wasn't something you shouted as a triumph. That was something you didn't tell anyone. It was filled with guilt and shame, which I held for 40 years, literally couldn't talk about it until the Lord set me free from that. But anyway, that's, that's another story. So I was just searching, seeking. Actually, I went to four colleges in two years and I didn't graduate from any of them, but I got on the dean's list. But I think because I knew that wasn't the path, I really wanted to to be famous. I wanted to be on Broadway, wanted to win a Tony, you know, all the things. Cause that, cause I'd always, I'd always been a singer started when I was in high school and I knew I could sing. That's yeah. one thing I knew I could do well. So I ended up in New York, you know, just being a young actress, trying, being a nobody, but trying to be a somebody. And mm-hmm. I auditioned for the King and I, and it was just crazy. This big national tour. I got cast as the understudy which is interesting. And I, I got to go on about a couple months into the run of the show, the leading lady got sick. She had pneumonia. So I was called on to jump in one night. I got to the theater at 7.15. I had no preparation, nothing. It was just, she's sick, you're on. And I thought, oh boy, my life <laughs> flashed before my <laughs> eyes in that moment. But I went on for two weeks. It was great. I, um, you know, I did a good job. Yul Brynner was happy with me. But then the leading lady came back. So I went back to the chorus. Well, about a month later, I get a call from the producers telling me that Yul Brynner has bought out the leading lady's two-year contract and he wants me in the part. I was at 26 years old. It made no sense. I mean, you know, understudies, that sometimes they get to go on, but they never take over. They always right. bring in somebody from New York or LA. Right. So I just, I mean, I think today if that were on Instagram, that would be a crazy thing. Back then, you know, there was no social media, but anyway, right. it was just a huge a huge plum to fall in my lap. And I just thought, wow, this is amazing. So I ended up doing the show. My husband joined about six months later. Well, he wasn't then I met him Mm. and he came in as the associate conductor and quite literally we fell in love across the footlights because I could see him conducting. I thought, Ooh, he's cute. We've got to find out about him. But we met, (laughs) fell in love, got married. And then it was after we got married in 83, I was with the show almost three years, about a thousand performances, like you said, was just crazy time. But um, we got married in July of 83. And then about nine months after that, actually March 31st, 1984, we gave our hearts to the Lord. And that in itself is a crazy, crazy story, but I won't go into the whole thing. But we gave our lives to the Lord. A year later, had our daughter, Francesca. And about a year after that, we were new Christians, still living in New York, still pursuing fame and fortune. Mm. But we started to get this sense, this strange sense that I don't think this is what God has for us. We both were sensing this and we were young Christians. So we need to get some prayer. We needed confirmation. We needed somebody to say, you're not crazy. So I kind of um, associate it with Abraham, how God just called him, leave everything and go to a land that, that I'll show you. I'm not going to tell you, but you just follow me. And mm-hmm. he thought, okay, Lord, we're going to drop this. We're going to, you know, which everyone thought was crazy. Cause when you're doing well in your career, you don't walk away from it, but God said, lay it down. Yeah. And we did move. We, we were from New Jersey. So we moved back there for a while, then down to uh, North of Orlando where we raised our daughter. 
and were there for 20 years. And then she moved out, you know, had did college and went to Nashville and started doing well in her in her career. She started getting songs on the radio. Her name was getting known. And I had mm-hmm. we had homeschooled her all through those years. So I got a call one day after Franny had left from the gal who ran the big homeschool organization that we were part of. And she said, you know, can you and your husband come and talk to our 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 guests? We're going to have our big 20th anniversary celebration. We want you and Mike to come. Tell us, what did you do to raise your daughter to not only pursue her dream, but continue following the Lord, to not lose mm-hmm. that passion for Jesus? And I, I said, sure, we would love to come. And I hung up the phone and looked at my husband and went, what the heck did we do? <laughs> you know, you're... you're you, you know you're raising a child with biblical principles, but there's no manual for that. So we sat down and we came up with 15 things that we'd actually done. 15 things. I thought, well, we didn't mess up too badly. She turned out okay. So a couple of weeks later, we give our talk. It goes great. And the next morning, I am on my face, just worshiping, thanking God that it went well. Mm. That, I think that was the first time I'd ever spoken, not on not on a theatrical way. So. I'm thanking the Lord. And right as I thanked him for those 15 things, I heard God say, those are book chapters. And I thought, "Uh, God, do you remember I'm not a writer? I didn't (laughs) graduate college. No one will publish it. No one will read it. You know, every excuse you can give God. But I kept hearing this, Mm. which just ringing in my spirit. And I thought, okay, what do you do with that? I found out a friend of mine was a writing coach. So I called her up and said, meet me at Panera. I've got to show you this and you've got to talk me out of it. So (laughs) we meet for lunch. I show her my idea. She looks at it and says, yep, that's a book. We're going to write it. I'm going to help you do it. I thought, oh boy, now what have I got myself into? But I ended up writing it, getting it published. Just none of it made sense. But when God called Mm -hmm. you to it, he'll equip you to do it. Mm -hmm. So I wrote that. And then afterward, I was thinking, God, you dared me, didn't you? You dared me to do something so far out of my comfort zone that it made no sense. I bet there are other people you've done this to. So I start reading scripture and some of these biblical heroes and the crazy things they did just stepped out in faith. And I thought, you dared me and you dared them. So I wrote this blog post called The God Dare. And mm-hmm. a gal at the publishing house that the Growing Great Kids was published at called and said, you need to turn that into a book. So I thought, oh boy, here we go again. <laughs> but I did that. That one took a little bit longer to write because there were things in my life I did not want to share. And God was yeah. saying, you need to put that in. So yeah. I ended up writing it. And and it's just, you know, it, I, I describe a God dare. As, if you've ever had that crazy idea, just drop in your head and you're thinking, that is way outside my comfort zone. But you know, the Lord is, is guiding you to do that. Mm. That's what I call a God dare. You know, like Esther going into the king when she knew she could have been instantly killed. Yeah. She yeah. did it anyway. I think of Moses' mother, Jochebed. Most of us don't know her story, but right. she was incredibly brave to do what she did, knowing again, her whole family could be killed if she were found out. So there's just so many stories in scripture of, yeah. I mean, we could say it's their calling. And it was, but to me, God at the same time was saying, if you don't do this, I'm going to find somebody else who will. Right. So right. I always encourage women, if you know it's the Lord, get confirmation. Don't just step out and do something crazy. But if you know it's God, it usually will be crazy and it will be scary. Yeah. So you just got to jump out. Yeah. I love that. Well, I love your story. And we're going to go back and talk about a few of the pieces in it. But one thing I just love that you just said was that, and I'm always reminded of that, you know, the in, in Esther, 
God called her to it. He was literally bringing her through all the way, her story all the way from a little girl all the way up and placing her right where she needed to be living with her uncle, right? And all the way through her being taken into the king's palace. I mean, you see the hand of God all over the story. But what I love about what you said there was God gave her an opportunity. Yeah. He gave her an opportunity and he said, that's okay. You, you've you been placed, right? Like, but who knows? But only God knows. And Mordecai reminds her in that. Yeah. You have a choice, but if you don't do something, God will bring another. It, it, he'll bring it through another. And I, right. and I always think about that when I tackle things because the enemy so often wants to divert us because we we've we don't believe that we can do certain things. I never thought I would write a book or be an actress or any of those things. Like I've never ever thought that. And then I love that you say God dare because that's exactly what God came in and he did. He dared me to do certain things, but he also gave me a choice. Yes. He always gives us a choice. And I think about, if you've ever heard of Reinhard Bonnke, he was a huge evangelist in in Africa. He was considered the Billy Graham of Africa. Millions came into the kingdom because of him. Mm -hmm. And he would tell the story of how the Lord told him, after a while, things have been going on. He said, you are my third choice. And I just think to myself, wow, can you imagine God telling you that? Very humbling. But at the same time, all I can think about is those two other guys. Wow. They get to heaven and God says, look what I had and you turned it down. I mean, that gives me chills just talking about it because I think so many of us miss that thing that's going to change the world because we're afraid or because we just won't say yes. So that's always my encouragement to women particularly, but men and women just do the thing. Right. You know, it's going to be scary. It's going to be hard. It might be life-threatening. You know, he might be calling you to be a missionary in a country where they kill Christians. We don't know. I know some people that are involved in that world and it's it's frightening. It needs a lot of prayer, but imagine what's what you're going to receive when you get to heaven. You know, there are books in heaven and I know I missed a lot that was written in my book and I'm determined I'm not going to miss another thing in my life. I'm going to do what he's telling me to do no matter the risk. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. I was talking to a group of women last October in Michigan, and I, and what God kept laying on my heart were these different women in the Bible, and everybody from Mary to Sarah to Esther, and really it was about this inherent risk. There is an inherent risk, and when we share our story or when we do something for God, there is a risk. And what is that? What does that risk look like? And how do we step into it faithfully, knowing, like Esther, if I go before the king, I could die? You're listening to the Edify Podcast Network. We'll be right back. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. This is the Edify Podcast Network. Welcome back. I love that you have had the journey you've had. Take us back, though, a little bit into, you know, here you are in New York City and you're working, you're, you've gone through all these different things in your life, but but here you are, you're working opposite Yule Brenner and you meet your husband. 
and you're there, you're working, what does it start to look like in your mind as God starts to do something different? Mm. How did that hit you? Because as a creative, that's a tough one when all of a sudden God's like, nope, I'm going to pluck you out of here and I'm going to put you somewhere else. And you're going, well, this didn't even look like what you were calling or what I thought you were taking yeah. me into being on stage with Yul Brynner. And now I'm, I'm homeschooling, <laughs> right? Like there's, right. you know, but that's what happens to women so often in their mindset. So what did that look like for you going from there to, to now being in Nashville, you have your, your little girl, and what does it look like? What's that journey part look like? And what did you go through some of the trials and tribulations, actually, that 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 you went through getting to that p- point of being a homeschooling mama? Well, what I always like to call it are 90-degree turns. You know, God mm-hmm. has us, we're going this way, and God says, nope, turn left. I've got a whole <laughs> yeah. other thing for you. And you're just kind of, you know, just amazed and wondering, okay, well, what is all this? How come I studied all those years and took all those voice lessons and acting lessons and all that stuff? My husband has a doctorate in conducting. You're just thinking, huh? You know, it makes no sense. So there is a there is a, a season you go through where you're kind of looking back mm-hmm. and wondering. And that's why I think we moved to New Jersey because we were 45 minutes from Broadway. You know, we could have, if we thought, okay, this is crazy, we're going back. We weren't that far. Eventually moved to Florida. But you know, it, it, there are those times of doubt when you're thinking, well, why? It took us a long time to realize why. We didn't realize that the plan God had for our daughter, because I really think our goal was fame and fortune. Her mm-hmm. goal has been to honor the Lord, to worship him, to bring peace. She wanted to lift him up. I don't want to lift me up. And I think God said, I can't use you, but I can use her. Because mm-hmm. I've always said that our ceiling becomes their floor. If we're really searching the Lord and finding out what is it for my child. So I think that that was a big thing for us, but it took years. It took um, years of infertility, of being mad at God, of trying four adoptions, you know, everything. Cause I just thought I'm going to have five kids. Yes. That's what I, okay. If I can't do that, I'm going to do this. And God said, yeah. no, that's not the plan I have for you, which is hard. You know, if, if when you're a mom, if you want more children, that's, that's a that was a big loss for me. Mm-hmm. Although now I see, you know, my daughter has six kids, so I've kind of gotten it <laughs> in the second generation, but, but it was difficult. There, there yeah. are seasons you're going to go through. So just know that years give perspective. What you can't see now, what makes absolutely no sense, it will make sense. It'll start making sense in about 10 years. So but <laughs> don't give up. I mean, seriously, if you know, it's the Lord, yeah, don't give up because it will make sense one day. Absolutely. And I love that you're talking about infertility. You know, my husband and I, I have Donnie. I was a teenage mom. I had my first child when I was almost 17. I was still a high school student. And then when I met Matt and we got married, I fell in love with this godly man. And it was really the first time I could at least understand or see this perspective of this godly man in this relationship. And here I was, and I had given my life to Christ, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, and I'm in church, and now I'm, you know, in women's Bible study, and I'm like, you know, doing things I never thought I'd ever do before. And um, and then I that we have Levi, and I'm just thinking, man, I've got I've got the best life in the whole world. All I want to do is have kids. Like I want to, I want to love this man, and I want to have children. And then after Levi was born, about two years after, I couldn't. I was told I couldn't have any more children. And so, and I had gone through abortion myself earlier on, you know. So, technically, three babies really. And so, uh, 
it was really devastating to know that I had gone through abortion, you know, had Levi and then came out of that and was no longer able to have any more children. And it was devastating. Mm -hmm. And I remember just crying out to God going, what are you doing with me? Why would you do this to me? You know, and he had something far greater planned. And, you know, not that raising my children, I think, were the, have been the greatest thing ever, but he had something planned knowing what was to come. And I couldn't see that, obviously. I could only deal with the broken heart at right. that point. Yeah. But it was really trusting that God had something else. And um, I think so many women who go through those struggles, whether it's infertility, whether it's a broken marriage, lost dreams, abortion, uh, failed attempts at adoption, same thing we went through, Um there's a heartbreak in it. And it's so often that we take those things into everything that we do. How did you really overcome some of those losses so that when you did start digging into your books, digging into homeschooling, Francesca, like all of these things, how did you do that and feel like you were walking in freedom? Actually, it took me a long time. After Franny was born, about a year and a half later, I had an ectopic pregnancy, Mm -hmm. which nearly killed me, put me in the hospital for four days. And it was after that, we went to the doctor, you know, the gynecologist and he did his test and we had all the, all the things done you could have done to, to maintain fertility. And I remember the the doctor told me, and I remember asking him when they were seeing that one of my fallopian tubes was blocked, the other one was messed up. And I said, would an abortion have anything to do with this? And to me, he said, yes, it could have. Right. But then I went to the, another fertility guy and he looks at the x-ray, x-rays and says, you'll never have any more children. And I just, I mean, I just sunk at that moment. Mm. It's, it's your hopes and dreams are just cut off. But I had faith that God was going to turn that around because I'd hear in church all the time, you know, God gives you the desires of your heart. He has give good gifts for you. And I thought, well, he's not giving me the desires of my heart. And that took me a long time to get through that. I went through years of being mad at God, just angry, just, you know, you th- I thought you loved me. You said right. I'm your child. You are not acting like a good father. And I mean, literally years till finally one night I was at a, a worship conference and I was down in the front just worshiping the Lord, deep in worship. And again, I heard the Lord speak in my spirit and he said three words. He said, am I enough? And it just broke me. Something inside went, oh, God, you have not been enough. I have made an idol out of wanting another child. Wow. And I've not wanted you. I've wanted what you would give me, not you for who you are. And I learned in that moment, if he never gives me another thing, that is fine with me. He is enough. But that took me a while to learn. It really did. My poor husband, I probably drove him crazy, but it was just such a need in me till God realized the only need I really have is the need for him. And that stuck with me. All these years, it was able to break that thing. You know, we still tried to adopt, but we knew, okay, it's not working out. That's fine. God has a different plan. Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, if anybody's going through that now, let me save you some time. You know, he is enough. He is all you'll ever need. If you really seek to to have an intimate relationship, and that's what I'm writing about now, this new book that I'm hoping gets picked up is all about mm-hmm. actually calling it Dancing with the King, just mm-hmm. because of I see such a metaphor with that, it. with my life, how he lifted me out of obscurity and then kind of put me back in. But you know, you know what I mean. Beautiful. But it's just that that dance that and it takes time to where he's reaching out his hand to us. Right. But we're not always willing to take that step. Mm. But it takes time. It takes some effort. It takes some, you know, study. We have to get to know him. And there are ways that we can do that. But 
that I think drawing to the Lord in intimacy, really seeking that, that's mm-hmm. going to answer so many questions and fill your heart with a love that surpasses anything you think you want. I love that. That's such great advice. And I remember at a really challenging point in my life too, something I had gone through medically and was just devastated over it. And the Lord literally said to me, my grace, it's I'm sufficient. Yeah. I'm sufficient. And I remember going, oh, wait a minute. Wait, you know, oh, that's right. You you died on the cross for me. Yeah. Like if if I get nothing else, if there's nothing else, like you gave me everything because mm-hmm. you gave me life after death. And it's not easy walking in that, mm-hmm. knowing when we are desiring something so much. But really, that's the truth of the matter. He died on the cross for us to give us mm-hmm. life after death. And um, it's just that's beautiful how you explain that. And I do hope that anyone who's listening that's going through this, leaning lean into the Lord and don't lean on your own understanding really and and really seek him. He wants us to walk in freedom. We're the ones that keep putting the burden burdens back on. He wants us to work, walk in freedom. Um something and I love the title of the book and I think it's beautiful and I can see it immediately with, you know, the dance we do with Jesus day in and day out. Uh talk a little bit about when I was uh going through a Bible study, it was actually about King David and um the, the thing that was so powerful to me was the one of the questions in the study at the time was, what if you were here only to pour into your children, to the next generation of what God has in store for them so that you could lift them up and empower them to do what God's called them to do? I was like, wow, that is huge. Mm-hmm. So Talk a little bit about your journey with homeschooling with Francesca. You said she seeks God. She's honoring him and all of those things. There's a lot of mamas out there that are homeschooling right now, and they're trying to just go, I got to get through every day to do this. How do you encourage them? How do you give them some advice? Well, it's hard. It's a lot of work. But I think raising your children to know and follow the Lord, if that's what God has called you to, just give that 100%. You know, that that's a wonderful calling. And I think I wish more of us realized how precious that is, how these are the kids that are going to run this world, this crazy world that I didn't grow up in. It was so right. different. Growing, even raising Franny, I don't think Facebook came in until she was 18. Right. So we had none of that distraction, none of that influence. So, I mean, it's just, it's a matter of, I think, I always tell parents that you have to live what you, you have to, they have to see in you what you want them to live. They have to see you acting authentically. What Mm -hmm. they see is how they're going to be. But anyway, they're following you. They're looking at you. Mm -hmm. Is is my dad being authentic? Is he, does he have integrity? Are my parents Mm -hmm. the same people on Monday as they say they are on Sunday? It's it's modeling the attributes you want them to have, the godly attributes, you know, being honest, being kind, being, you know, if you don't want them to watch bad stuff, don't watch R-rated movies at home. So things like that, just, just, well, I know what it is now. It's what you model, they will follow. So you have to model what it is to be a good Christian, you know, to Mm -hmm. be a not a good Christian, but just a person who loves and honors the Lord and will give do anything to follow him. And I think Franny saw that in us, that we really were who we said we were. When we went through some really tough times, when my husband could have handled things very differently, but she saw him, even to our loss, saw him handle it with integrity, that had an impact on her. Mm. And I think that that's the only thing we can really do as parents, just 
be authentic, be who you say you are and let them see this is what living a Christian life means. Mm, this I is what that. it's all about. I love that. Yeah, because we all go through our struggles. That's for sure. I'm assuming that going through the struggles and all the things that you've journeyed through your books, those times and and those situations have really impacted how you focused on writing, how you write these books now. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, talk to us a little bit about, you know, some of the peaks and valleys that you've gone through writing. I mean, I I don't know about you, but I've had multiple times when I've been in the middle of writing something, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm doing this. And I quit. (laughs) Or you read something that somebody else has read and go, I don't even know why I bother. Yeah. Exactly. I know. You just described that so beautifully and I don't have any words for it. (laughs) It's it's crazy. It's a journey. You look at that blank page and it's terrifying. But for me, the writing thing came out of the blue. I Mm. always loved English. I journaled. My husband said, you can write a good letter. So I, I knew I could write. But it was never a passion until God made it a passion. And something else after Franny was gone and and I was in the empty nest years, I realized God has more for us. And I like to call that the after party Mm because we think we're done. Okay, well, now what do I do? I've raised these kids all these years. They're Mm -hmm. gone. My house is empty. There's no laundry to do. There's no chaos. Mm -hmm. What am I supposed to do now? Well, mom isn't your only name. There are other things God has for you. And that's a time where you need to really pray, figure out, okay, what else am I supposed to do? Because this isn't just it. And dig in, find out. It could be anything. It could be run a marathon or start a business or go back to school or become a missionary or start a ministry, whatever it is. Let the Lord show you. It may not be the day after they leave. It may be in a couple of years, but let him show you what is that Mm -hmm. next step. Yeah, no, that's so good. It's funny because I think I love the the in you know King when King Solomon's it's like there in Ecclesiastic it says there's a, a season for everything mm-hmm. and it's like there's a season for everything that we have in our lives, everything that God is calling us to, and we just don't know what it all looks like. But there's a season for everything, and I do think if we just sought after the Lord more and just really dug in to say, what is it that you have for me? Whether it's whatever it might look like. I mean, it might be, I had a girlfriend that went back to college to become a nurse at, Mm -hmm. I don't know, I think she was you know, 49 years old and, you know, now she's running a huge medical facility. And it's like, we don't know those things unless we seek the Lord and take a step in faith that he's got the next season of our life, you know, and walking through it. So before we go, tell us a little bit about what's next. We hear that there's a new book. I can't wait to read this. I can already see it. Um, Tell us what's next for you and how people can come alongside and support you through this process and just keep up with you. Sure. Um, yeah, the the next book hopefully will be coming in the next year or two. You never know with the publishing world, but mm-hmm. if you think of it, just pray. I, you know, get a good publisher. <laughs> yes. publisher but um, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, just it's always Kate Battistelli. So it's easy to find my website, katebattistelli.com. And both my books are on Amazon. So you can get them there. Um, and I think particularly the God Dare will really bless you just because it will push you a little. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we need somebody to come along and go, just do it, just get out there. So, yeah. you know, that that's where I am, just continuing to write Be a Mimi, six mm-hmm. little babies. So <laughs> it, that's wonderful. And, uh, you know, God has blessed me. That, I, that blows my mind. I look back and see 
that that's really a nice gift you gave me, Lord. And, you know, Aww. all from one child. She is very prolific in many ways. So, yes, I love it. I love it. Well, the definitely, you know, we never know. And then look what he's given you through her. So that's a beautiful thing. I keep telling my boys the same thing. I'm like, okay, you know, just be prepared. I need as many children that you all can bear. So hey, you're, you keep them coming, <laughs> keep them, you know, start, let's let's, let's make this happen. So um, anyway, but I just love that. And I love just having this conversation with you and thank you so much for joining me today and all the women in my world. And, and um, thank you for inspiring them and encouraging, encouraging them through your walk and your oh, journey. Thank you, Sherry. I appreciate being on here and, you know, look forward to seeing you next time you're in town. I would love that. I love that. I love, I love that town. Love that town. (laughs) Well, I would love to say thank you to our audience today and all of our viewers and our listeners. Make sure to go on Edify, Spotify, Apple, download the Women in My World. You will be inspired, encouraged, and empowered through the conversation. And go ahead and share it with somebody that you know. We believe that it will go out there and continue to be fruitful. So thank you to our sponsor, Edify, for believing in us. And thank you for being a woman in our world. 